0: It's the same old story. So why are they in the taxi? Because I didn't want to leave. I said it's high green mate via Hillsborough, please here on the Owls Americas, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. Yeah, we're back again this week. We're going to do a show. Uh, Yeah, I am drinking bourbon. Let me tell you. I'm also your host, Jeffrey Pedernostro. It's an old fashioned and for those that want the recipe to drink along listening to this, it is two and a half ounces of Buffalo Trace whiskey one bar spoon of simple syrup, and a few dashes of Dead Rabbits or bitters. Uh, it's, uh, the bitter is nice. The sweets is not doing it. We have a fearsome foursome this week, and we'll start with Patty Jones, who I assume is drinking right from the bottle this week, Patty? Uh, no, I've been uh, very professional this week, uh, Jeffrey. Uh, I've got a load
1: of uh, beautiful beer, and I'm starting with a local one. I Say starting because I'm going to run through about six of them throughout the entire of this podcast. Uh, starting with a, a Weehawken. No, it's not a Weehawken. It's a New Jersey uh, beer company, which is just up the road from me, brewery. And the uh, beer is a stout. It's a Garden State Stout. It is very How nice. Are you prepared for this segment. Uh, well, yeah, I've been drinking beforehand too. So
0: the other way is up. Also on the line is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Good evening Jeff. Um, I've, uh, I've
2: gone upstate a little bit. I've got a, a, an IPA from, uh, from Captain Lawrence, which is a New York State brewery. I haven't actually had a Captain Lawrence in a while. This one's kind of, um, it's a very hoppy um, uh, kind of hazy East Coast IPA uh, called Tears of Green and it just says, oh, it surely looks like rain. So it kind of captures my mood pretty well really. I am uh, spent most of the week feeling fairly melancholy about the, uh, the state of affairs and, and what might have been. And it's, it's actually been raining slash snowing slash sleeting most of the week as well. So everything's pretty
0: gray at the moment. Or green. We're trying to get a spark here on the podcast. We brought in our substitute American, Luke Andrews Hacken. Luke, what are you drinking?
3: I have filled my glass with only the finest of uh, coconut water because uh, I was out late last night. And I don't think that um, you need the electrolytes. Yeah, whatever is actually yeah. in coconut water. Yeah, electrolytes and... Not sulfur, what is it? Not phosphate. Potassium, that's it. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Coco Libre, I believe it
0: is called. We will actually bring the match reports back this week. Not by popular demand, I assume, but just because we need something to talk about. Um, apparently... Patty has commandeered the second segment of the show to talk about New York Red Bulls. Sure, whatever. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty copacetic. We're not, we have no me, content, Jeff. We have, no, we have content. no content. I'm just gonna take that time to find myself, on mute and drink the rest of this cocktail, probably. And we will preview, uh, dirty, dirty L asterisk asterisk DS in the third segment with our Yorkshire correspondent James Allen, the team we've not played before, at least in the brief history of this show as we go for the double over the north yorkshire bastards there'll be other bits and bobs of wednesday news as well but we'll start with bolton at home one one draw an absolutely god awful match uh paul owen was paul paul i put you first on the agenda for every one of these categories this week where are you I don't know, man. Um, I guess I'll turn uh, over to Luke then.
3: Yeah, it was it was not good football, was it? Um, I, I it's funny. I I was looking at the the list of um, matches for March, and I was like, I don't even remember playing Ipswich. I don't even remember when that game was. And and Bolton was not much better. It was only memorable because you knew the minute that they got the free kick. What was it? It was like 90 plus 1, 90 plus 2, something like that. They got the free kick. You were like, yeah, this is this is going in. There's there's just no question. And, That's and also behold, what happened in the Ipswich game? Is it like yeah, you you I might have watched that whole thing and just just gone back to sleep. Um yeah, it was it was not a good game. I mean, I, the the you know, Boyd took his goal well, I guess seemed to have an alright game, but you know, we were Lee's came back. This is that's good, but you knew the minute the minute it ticked over to 90, one goal advantage, free kick to Bolton. Or was it a corner? I don't even remember.
1: They no, just played down the right side and it just I mean we haven't defended um, balls like that very well all season. It's just I mean even uh, Robert O'Neill um comments on it saying that We've been seeing it coming all, all game. It's just telegraphed. Are you and, saying we have again... some problem
0: with the defense at left back, Patty, Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you know what yeah. that was upsetting? Insightful I was, I was right <laughs> ready
2: to criticize Morgan Fox until I watched the replay and realized it was Adam Reach that let them put the ball in. <laughs> <laughs> and he had like yeah, two chances remember, to stop the cross.
1: I can remember berating Reach for that. and I don't think, I think Reach had a great game, if I'm honest with you. I mean, he's, he's usually the one that shines above the rest because everyone else is so crap, but I really do think that reached the past couple of games at least has almost been playing down with the talent around him which is horrible to say but um, I mean he's been our star player all season but I don't think he's um, had a good few games recently and yeah that was pretty much his fault then Venancio's fault for flying over in the box and then uh, Poodle if he was an extra two inches tall he might have played that off the line but
2: no Yeah I mean we might as well get the massive negativity out of the way because that was just god awful defending again wasn't it? Um, and it, like you said, Luke, it was so inevitable. There was just something just incredibly scripted about the fact that when they, I think they brought Wilbraham on like 10, 15 minutes earlier on, and we, you know, we were joking about the fact that he was like the the only person in the championship bigger than Big Dave. Um, so it wasn't exactly a complicated move that they were going to lump him into the box and try and ping the ball onto his massive noggin. Um, yeah, and it happened. Um, I guess Kenny, your point about reach is uh, is interesting though, Paddy, because I think quite a few people probably would have agreed with you that it, it wasn't his best game in a while and you know when reach isn't on form when he's not firing and and you know creating creating chances driving uh, out of midfield then the whole team just looks flat um and Sean Clare alongside him you know, didn't have a particularly exciting game either so the creativity being levels of the whole team were just just very 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 average um you know and it, I, I think quite a few people commentated that we look, made Bolton look good and, and that's quite an achievement this season Well we just lack
1: so much like I say, without reach um, firing, and you've got to get I'm not, I'm not having to go at reach, he didn't play well but I mean, he's played well pretty much 90% of the season and has basically kept us up so he's going to be knackered by this point of the season
3: um, I was about so, to say, he's played something like 3,600 <laughs> minutes already
1: Yeah, so if I play to him, I mean, whatever I do have bad games um, but you've got to rely on people around you. And, and, and to be fair, the full-back did okay at getting the ball in the box. I mean, Hunt and Boyd were constant threats, I thought, down the sides. I mean, just their the final ball let him down. I mean, that that chance for Hunt in the first half where it was neither a good oh, yeah. cross or a good one shot. Oh, yeah.
2: He just had to slice that into the bottom corner. And he sliced yeah, it into the
1: corner just, flag. just no one near it. But I think that's – there's also – it was a bad cross. It was a bad shot as well, whatever it was. But – it happened a few times. I think Boyd did it on the left-hand side. They put it into the box, and there's no one really committing forward to get there and poach a goal. Joao and Nui, you were too far deep most of the time um, to try and get the balls off people, I assume, to try and create something. Um, but when people put it in the box,
2: there's just no one there. And it's a function of just the energy levels in the squad, isn't it? Because when you've got a midfield that's, that's you know, pumped and primed, and you've got Kieran Lee kind of playing that box-to-box role and kind of, you know, slipping in between defenders. You've got Gary Hooper mixing in between the attack and, and midfield. And, and at the same time, you've got reach and, and, you know, somebody on the right-hand side doing the same thing, kind of bombing down. That, that frees up the strikers to be on the end of those balls. On the flip of that, when you've got basically the best part of a kind of, you know, semi-dead corpse uh, playing in three or four midfield positions, which seems to be the case at the moment, um, there's not a whole lot of pressure being exerted on the uh, on the opposition defence. And so, you know, you, you end up with the defenders being, the, the strikers being pulled back in and, and Nihu tends to be culpable for that. You know, he'll end up a long way out of position going looking for the ball. And then he's, he just hasn't got the pace to get back into the box and get on the end of anything.
1: Talking of Nihu, that was a great chance he had though. Good fancy footwork. Did someone three times, I think it was. And and a save. No, he fought a so good save out of the keeper. Uh, it was uh, probably one of my best chances uh, in the first half. Um, so I think will worked his ass off again. It just he's, he's working too deep. Like so, he's not getting on the end of things, which he's never really done anyway, so can't expect him to do that. But uh, he just uh, With Joao and New up front, we've not really got anyone to kind of uh, throw a ball into the box and hope someone gets the end of it. Um, Joao is a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's great with the ball at his feet running at people.
0: Um, is not much of a coacher. I think we were actually pretty good in the first half, like even beyond New Hughes, a little bit of uh, solo brilliance. I thought we were creating chances uh, down the channels. You know, we were sort of beating Bolton to, you know, balls on the other side of their fullbacks, and then just the last ball into the box, as it has been all season, was just awful. And there's really nobody outside of maybe... Jow and Yuhi in the box to actually make a play on it anyway.
1: Yeah, same old story, wasn't it? I mean, we feel like Broken Records saying the same thing every week. Um, but it's just, at this point, I mean, I haven't seen... After that goal went in, obviously, at the end, um, we were all pretty good in, in New York. There was about eight of us in the bar. And uh, I can't remember seeing James... As miserable <laughs> in a long time, <laughs> and uh, we've had some bad times that bar, but uh, yeah, we were both pretty cheesed off.
0: But I mean, I, I think, think that's no why no one I'm, was confident so after. Melancholy, actually. I don't think anyone was confident after Boyd scored that they'd hold on, and I don't think the team was confident that they'd be able to hold it either.
2: No, but at ninety-three minutes, you just you dared yourself to think, didn't you? Ah, oh, here's three points. If we get another three or six more this season can just be put to bed and. And actually, to be fair, you know, the, the goal that Boyd scored, I mean, I, I don't think he had a particularly distinguished game. He wasn't bad. He wasn't particularly brilliant. Uh, you know, the crowd seems he's another player the crowd is kind of happy to get on the back of as soon as he gives the ball away. Um, but he took the finish really well. I think it was Shao that played him in and, and it, was, you know, it was a lovely through ball. He got on the end of it. it, did exactly what we signed him for, really, which is, you know, getting on the edge of the box and pinging the ball in the bottom corner. It was perfect. Um, so that was a moment of of delight um be right paddy i mean the, the sort of the disconsolate end of the game the kind of the inevitable of what happened in the 94th minute it's, it's just this feeling that the this season is just it it was clearly never meant to be we're, we're just all living in purgatory and and i desperately want to be put out of my misery i want it to be over i want to, i want to, i want to i want to start the the recovery post process and start the the kind of the getting back to what was good you know, um, I think we talked a little bit last week about you know just how quickly we've fallen off our perch, and I don't I don't like it down here. I mean, I'm hungry to get back to better times, but I just feel like we need to get past this season to be able to start that. Well,
0: the good news is uh, that point at home against Bolton dragged us from seven points outside of the uh, head of the drop zone to eight points ahead of the drop zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so
1: brilliant about this. I mean, everyone else is so much worse than we are. Well, not so much worse. They're just doing equally as bad as us, and they have been for as many games as we've been doing equally bad. Um, but to draw one point further away from an allegation, you've got to look at the minuscule positives we have
0: this season, and thank God that the rest of the championship is as bad as we are. Birmingham, who's currently on uh, on 30 points in 22nd place, uh, lost 23 out of 37, minus 32 goal differential. Should point out that they're in 22nd on goal differential because Burton also has 30 points and is minus 38.
1: There's that article in the thousand this week about um, how much it usually takes for um, people to um, survive relegation, and 50 points is that magical number which people always say, but this, this year round it's going to be record low survival points. Uh, it just, just shows you the lack of quality in the league this year. It is just diabolical.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else.
3: <laughs> why why is the championship so bad this year?
1: That's a really good point. I don't know, because, I mean, it used to be thought as one of the best leagues in the world. And I genuinely think, I mean, I'll go into this later on, but I genuinely think I've been more entertained by the MLS of the past year than I've been by championship teams.
0: I, mean, I, just I guess think it's, it's scrappy. It's probably like a cyclical thing. because I thought it was a very competitive league last year.
3: It was. Yeah, or, or even it, the year before.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know why it's gone such a downhill this year. I, and I, it's not even <laughs> Wednesday every week. Obviously, that's a big part of it. But even the teams that, the teams that come, have come to us haven't really played good football. It's all been scrappy and... Just miserable and just. Oh,
2: I, I, I do Wolves think we're goes. seeing the league through Wednesday tinted glasses. I mean, I, I, if we were up at the sharp end, I think we, you know, we'd probably be commenting on the quality of Wolves, the the fact that you've got a team like Villa that, you know, with all that they've spent, are still not quite in there. Um, Cardiff have had a, a really strong season, and I think Fulham, you know, after a slow start, have really really come back to the forum we know how good they were last year so, so there are there are still some good teams around i don't, I don't think for a second that there's team any team of the caliber of of, of a brighton of last year or newcastle last year um which just goes to show how good we must have been to be kind of hanging in there on the coattails in fourth place last year um <laughs> and I, 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 you know it's this horrible thing of constantly turning a positive into a negative and i don't mean to do it but how the hell did we become so bad so quickly because You know, if we just managed to sustain our form from last year, we should have been right, right there or thereabouts this year in this league with with the mid-table pack as it is.
0: I mean, it's injuries, isn't it? I know it's like an oversimplification, but this team going into the first Steel City Derby was right there in a playoff spot. I know that's very early days, but they had made a little run. They it looked we weren't like, playing great, though, were we? They weren't playing we weren't, great, mean, no. But it's like you could talk yourself into, well, they just have to sort of figure it out. They were getting results. It, it,
2: Fulham were interesting, right? So if you look where Fulham were when we played United the first time round, they were lower low second half of the table, I think. You know, they had a dreadful start to the season, worse than ours. And, of course, we beat them down at Craven Cottage as well. And, you know... They still had the core of last year's team, and and slowly they, they turned it around, and they're, they're having their barnstorming second half of the season, just same as they did last year. Where they, I think, on the form table, they're probably the best team in the league right now. Um, there was something awry at Wednesday. It wasn't. I don't think it is just the injuries, Jeff. Um, yeah, you, know, you look at the way that we capitulated to United, the way we we kind of ended up like a rabbit frozen in the headlights, the way that players like. Unfortunately, like Luvens, who you know haven't been injured, but have definitely been shown up as coming up short and, and just not being at the same level this year. It just just some, something's gone wrong behind the scenes, and, and we may never know exactly what it was, what combination of factors it was. Whether it was a season too long for Carlos, whether it was a lack of a turnover in the squad, whether it was you know some kind of malaise that crept in because of the high wages, um, you know a lack of youth and vigor, whatever. But some, something wasn't right, um, and
0: and hence we are where we are. I do think, though, if we still had you know Gary Hooper on his sort of seven and seven form, and and Bannon and Lee in the midfield, it would be a that would be a different story. Like I think this the squad the squad you know Carlos's first eleven you know the Wembley eleven as we've referred to before on the show, if they had stayed reasonably healthy, I do feel like they would have found a way to to be in the hunt. I mean, Burrows on sixty one points right now in the last playoff spot. That's not a lot. Things with burrow right, so burrow are one of those teams that aren't that good either, but they've got
1: some game changes in it. That Adama is one of the best players I've seen this season. He's possibly the fastest man alive. Um, there was a moment where I looked over from watching our match, because the burrow match was on, on the other TV next to us, and he was a good 10 yards behind the defender, and so I managed to beat him on a through ball and get a shot on goal. He's just unbelievably quick and it's the same with Fulham Fulham's got a couple of great game changers too Sessing on that young kid's again lightning quick and scores goals we haven't got a pace be a game changer because they're all injured um, and it's just that's, that's what counts at the moment even if you can get by on a relatively average side like Borough and I think even Fulham to some extent yes they're playing good now but they're dog average at the beginning of the season they've got a couple of players in their team that just change games uh, and a, a few of the times this season, we could have done with those type of people on the pitch to just see us over the edge. We've lost the most points from winning situations out of anyone in the league this, this year.
2: 24 That's, points, right?
1: Yeah. And it's it's down to the fact we haven't got anyone, any leader, first of all, on the pitch to kind of just shore up everything once we're, once we're ahead. There's nothing really pushing us forward and nothing doing, uh, doing changing the game like these, these players are for Fulham and Borough.
2: No, I think you're right Paddy and, and there was a funny moment wasn't there in the uh, I mean the Bolton game was pretty boring to watch to be fair so we, we occasionally got distracted by about the 24 other screens that were going on and the Middlesbrough match was happening just to our right and there was a point where Troy kind of chased down a loose ball and, and he must have you know that, that scene where uh, Hutch chases down the keeper against Norwich last season in the 5-1 win and like, you know, he's pegging it across the one half of the pitch Troy c- covered the same amount of ground in about half the time it was incredible <laughs> It's like watching the same bolt bolt down the flame in 100 meters. Um, so you, you, you're right. You know that kind of spark, that excitement in a team that that you know any team that's going places needs. We've we've either had it and lost it because of injuries, or we never had it in the first place. So um, yeah, I think things are what they are. But but let's get back to those better times. I think this is what this is what I'm saying about wanting to put the the season to bed. It it's so blatantly not worked out that I just want to get past it and start again.
0: And we'll start again here on the Owls Americas after a short break with, once again, a very long dispatches from American soccer. Alright, as promised, I am going to mute my mic, drink a lot of bourbon, and turn the podcast over to Paddy to talk about his beloved New York Red Bulls. Look, so this is not going to be a
1: long yawn about New York Red Bulls and MLS, so you can keep your dials uh, away from your hands at the moment. Um, But I just wanted to explain the day ahead of me. This is the first Red Bulls home game, obviously, of the year against Paul and Timbers. It was 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, We just witnessed Wednesday uh, what felt like a loss against Bolton. It was a birthday. It was a long day. Um, And it was after the miserable season we've had for Wednesday. It was just a, a great end to what started off being pretty shitty the middle was much better and then the end was great so just the euphoria of being in a stadium which is positive <laughs> optimistic for the new season ahead they won a few of the uh, games before the, uh, the home opener as far as the champions league goes we'll talk about in a minute um so this team is is relatively new too. they actually played a b team for the home opener because they had a big champions league game coming on the week, midweek and this B team, uh, on the first of the lineup, I was like, great, here we go. Another B team to look forward to. Um, but actually, was amazing. It was that mainly youth. Um, and they beat Paul and Timbers 4-0. And Bradley Wright Phillips came on towards the end. Did a good shift, as usual. Uh, set up a goal, I think he was, too. Um, but I've never... It's, it's weird to explain this because I mean as someone that's picked a team in the MLS I didn't get born into New York Bills. I still don't like their name um, but they're 10 minutes from my house um, just to have a 4-0 win from the team you follow and you spent a lot of time on for the last three years I've mean, been seeing the goal over three years now it's just it, it brought back some faith in the sport again that's all I'm saying uh, and I, afterwards I think I came back uh, after the game Chilled out, big smile on my face. And I saw some people, um, I think this next day, it was the NYCFC game, so it was a different game, but some people were slagging like, the MLS off, saying it's a terrible league. They would not even be non-league in uh, uh, in England or something like that. So I just wanted to quickly kind of like have a quick chat with Luke. Luke's a big Red Bull season to go as well. So uh, cause we always get compared, like how does the MLS compare to Europe, for instance, in the championship? And I said it earlier on, I, I think in the past, three years I've watched MLS live at New York Red Bulls, season ticket holder this is not someone who's seen 10 minutes on Sky Sports and declared it shit I think the MLS um, some of the teams could compete in the championship and I'm going to say maybe the top 10 teams in the MLS could compete in the championship Uh, some of them will be down the bottom, sure but I think teams like the big teams like say Red Bulls and Toronto uh and Seattle to some extent as well. They could they could do all right. They could be pushing for playoffs. Luke, what do you think? What do you think to that?
3: I completely agree. I mean, I think the the league as a whole has definitely benefited from kind of their pseudo relaxation of uh, of the salary cap, which has allowed for um <clears throat> a certain I don't I don't want to go into the whole gam versus Tam versus de- designated player uh, role minutia, but um, they've basically increased the amount of salary that teams can play for certain players who fit into, I think it's like a four to five or four to six hundred thousand dollar a year salary. Um, so this means you've got some slightly younger, uh south american players who are coming up or um some you know like mid-career european players who are looking for a bit of a bit of a change and as a result of that the league as a whole over the past uh i mean even even in the past two years i would say the the even the worst teams in the league are significantly better than they were uh 2010 2011. i mean 2010 2011 you just had some, Horrible, horrible teams that somehow would win games. And, you know, you, you, uh, Chris Wondolowski gives me nightmares for a variety of reasons, but like watching mm-hmm. him play for uh, San Jose back in 2010, 2011 was just like, ah, uh, like just, I would, I would rather have watched like League One, you know, relegation six pointers than that. It was just, it was bad. It has come a long way. And, it, as we've seen this week, with um, MLS teams finally being competitive in the Concacaf Champions League, and you know, actually possibly getting past their uh, Mexican counterparts, it's it's been it's been a long time coming, and they're not by no means is the is the you no. Know, are now the new Kings of CONCACAF and is now, you know, MLS is the ascendant league, but it's, it's gotten a lot better. It's a lot more enjoyable to watch. It's a lot, um, the, the variety of styles and, and, you know, formations that are employed. It's not just everyone lining up in a four, four, two diamond and bumping it to the, you know, six foot eight striker who will inevitably like eventually bundle the ball. Wait, I, this sounds really familiar. Why?
1: <laughs> it's, you're yeah. right and it's, it's it's just it's matured I mean it is still young league It's 21, 22 years old now um,
3: uh, 20, 22, yeah, 22nd
1: season So I mean you've got to give it some some props um, I know this podcast in particular Mr Owen has not been very up on MLS Of the previous episodes So I thought with him being missing We could uh, give it a little bit of a boost instead So I think if you're looking for a team to follow In MLS from England uh, obviously, it's hard to follow from um, from home, but I think the New York Rebels are a good uh, team to watch at the moment, football-wise. You've got an English player up front. By the way, Phillips is doing really great. He's still good. And is what, 31, 32 now, Luke?
3: Uh, I think he just turned 32 the other day, yeah.
1: And, I mean, this guy, I know he left England and wasn't ever considered to be a great striker. I've seen him play a lot, right? This guy is its is obviously against defenders. I would say former championship-level defenders, League One defenders some of the times. Um, but his strength, his finishing, and his awareness is some of the best I've seen live. And I've seen a lot of good Wednesday strikers in my time. He's he's a different player to one that left um, England, what, six years ago, was it? I can't remember.
2: Five, um, six years, yeah. Um, so here's so an acid test for you, Paddy. Go on. Would you take Bradley Wright-Phillips in the Wednesday side right now? On
1: oh, heartbeat. I would, I would snap your hands off. He's everything you want. That person that on the end of the box, on the end of the cross, that I want to, want to know for the Bolton game, he'd be there. He'd, he'd finish it. He'd, and he'd also do the job of Nuihu, too. He'd hold the ball up and pass it around to uh, everyone else. then the difference between Nuihu and, by the way, Phillips was he'd run into the box trying at the end of a pass. He he's actually would do a great job for half the teams in championship, I think.
3: The, the pass that he had last night for the third goal versus Tijuana was... Mwah, like- oh, yeah. He can pass, too. He's, he's a great pass of the ball. He is a very... I know it's like people at home are going to
1: laugh their heads off of this. He is a fantastic centre-forward. <laughs> it's hard to believe. You watch him. He's, he's, a, he's a great player. This is what
0: it has come to on this show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're well, all Bradley Wright-Phillips fans. You
0: know, it's Bradley funny, Bradley though, because so so
2: I've only ever attended one MLS game, and it was Red Bulls against somebody or other a couple of seasons ago. And... Um, I've got to say, I didn't think the standard was was that good. So, I mean, if it's a 20, 21-year-old league and uh, and you're raving about it now, two years ago, it, it kind of felt pretty pretty kind of mundane, actually, pedestrian in the way that the game was being played. A lot of sideways passes, kind of, you know, very telegraphed, almost like people were playing in 90-degree uh, in angles. Uh, it didn't really feel like there was this a lot of, kind of technical, technical skill to it. But in the midst of all of that moden- mon- mundanity... Um, Bradley Wright Phillips scored an absolute screamer from nowhere. He just sort of picked the ball up about 25 yards out and, and you know, turned it on a sixpence and wellied it into the top right corner. So I'm, I've kind of got a bit of sympathy for the idea that he might be able to do a job. I'm just not sure that this kind of argument that it it's at the standard if you compared it with the championship and not wanting to be the ball naysayer here. Um that it would really stand up if you kind of took the average MLS side and dropped them into the championship, whether they'd be able to uh, to grind it out. But it would no, be an interesting average, experiment to try. I'm not, I didn't say the average MLS side would survive in the championship. I said the
1: best MLS sides would survive in the championship. I think some of the average ones would get relegated really straight away into, into League One and sometimes even League Two. But there is a, a top echelon of MLS teams which are better than, way better than most of the teams in the league. Um, and it's it's those teams you go got to look out for teams that play football. Uh, and I'm not going to shout out my my uh, competitors like Toronto because I hate Toronto, but they're a good team. <laughs> uh, but Red Bulls this season, I think, are going to actually play some good football like they did a couple of years ago. They didn't play good football like last year very, very much, really. But they've got a good, exciting young team. And it's all through homegrown players. Other than Brad White Phillips, who's like, um, uh, obviously th- 32 years old now. Um, we've got some good young South Americans. They've got some good homegrown players. Tyler Adams is an 18-year-old kid. Absolutely fantastic! You, you, you'll hear big things about Thailand. Is the new kind of um, uh, American import you'll see in the European League leagues in a few years' time? I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my Red Bulls rant. And if you're looking for a team to in MLS, Red Bulls will not do you wrong.
3: I, I completely concur.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably should have taken the week off. Anyway, we'll take a break now. <laughs> we come, up, come back, we'll wrap up with some Wednesday news and our leads preview. Taking off the Wednesday news segment this week, which will, I believe James Allen is the 700th steering group meeting of the year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think it's the seventh hundred fan, fan consultation meeting of the year for sure. They are called various things, but no. The um, <clears throat> I think it was actually the first steering group of two thousand eighteen took place on Friday at Hillsborough, um, chaired as usual by uh, by Mr. Chansiri and uh, with uh, with a new addition at the executive table this time round of uh, of our CEO Katrien Um or Mier. I don't know if I say that right or not, but yeah, let's let's just move past that swiftly. Um, we weren't there unsurprisingly. Uh, we haven't yet managed to get ourselves a, a Webex invitation. Uh, we, we have an open invitation if we're in Sheffield, but um, we, uh, we haven't managed to get video conferencing technology to allow us to, uh, to attend virtually. So um, we've kind of go go a little bit off uh, of what's been reported. And, and to be perfectly honest, it's, it's not a huge amount. So um, eagle-eyed or eagle-eared uh, listeners will have noted that uh, after a bit of a dust-up at the last uh, steering group, um, the gentleman who's been writing very diligent notes on the um, on the proceedings and the goings on at those affairs uh, didn't attend this time around. so um, we're left with Al's talk, gossip, and uh, and the output of uh, the very helpful video that um, our friend James Marriott put together with Cleggy from the Cop End in uh, in the Riverside Cafe on uh, on Saturday before the uh, the Bolton game. Um, so I guess kind of a few few big topics. Um, you know, one. Uh, FFP there was, you know, there was obviously discussion about where we stand which you know without going into details of the account seem to um, largely validate I think what we've been saying on this pod uh, in terms of our analysis in that um, yes we are close to the FFP limit which means that we are going to have to submit forecasts to the EFL which means they're going to scrutinise our wheelings and dealings this summer very very carefully um, that will have implications for, for next season's transfer window um, although Mr Transiri did uh, did say that he would uh, it would let nothing get in the way of uh, continuing to pro- the squad to prosper. So I'm not quite sure what that means, whether he's intending to, to tear the whole rule book up, we'll see. James, um, but probably confirmed a lot of what we've said. Can I just ask, I haven't asked a question to Peter,
1: but I forgot to ask it. Um, has there been any precedent of the EFL stepping in to stop a transfer, knowing that it would make them over the FFP rules?
2: I don't know if there's a specific... I, I can't point to a specific transfer involving a player but I know that that's essentially what happened to uh, Forrest and QPR I think for a while as well um, that you know the EFL essentially kind of proactively stepped in and told them that they weren't going to be be sanctioning transfers should they go through them so it was kind of a preemptive embargo if you will that led to a formal embargo um, and I think what really happens you know in sort of real life is behind the scenes they're probably in dialogue with the club in terms of what limits they will sign off and where they're going to, um, you know, start to raise red flags. Um, it, you know, I don't expect Wednesday to be lumping 10, 12 million players on a, uh, a million on a player this summer, put it that way, uh, and the EFL to sanction. it. So that, that was kind of one, one big topic. Um, another big topic was the uh, the kit. So uh, obviously the steering group. It was Friday. There was a big meeting apparently at Hillsborough on Saturday to sign off the uh, the 2018-19 shirts, uh, which presumably now you know will obviously be playing in in the last the last game of the season against Norwich. Uh, you know, last I game of which the season, season? This one or next one? <laughs> Celebratory game to uh, to herald the uh, the end of this god awful season, um, but yeah, I think um, Ketrien was uh, she seemed very positive about the, you know what the fans are looking forward to. There was a little bit of uh, allusion to the fact that a certain pattern that some fans have been clamouring for might make a return, uh, no confirmation thereof. And as far as I can tell from people who were there, there were some nods and winks, but nothing nothing you know affirmative. So watch that space. It's okay; they'll be the wrong um, width anyway. So. Well, exactly. There'll be too much white or whatever else. I, I'm, I'm on record as saying I like the solid blue shirt. But um, you know, th- these were kind of the major topics that came up. Uh, indication that season ticket sales uh, are going pretty well uh, with the five-year offer that's that's out there at the moment, and we should say comes to an end pretty soon. I think the deadline is is only a week away. Um, and then some, you know, some general acceptance that you know things haven't worked out the way that. You know Mr. Chansey or any of the fans wanted them to and and probably some humbleness I think in in terms of how he approached that, recognizing that he'd taken some risks and they haven't paid off and and that they're going to have to reevaluate as a result of that um you know he's he still continues to defend some of the signings made and you know maybe fans and and some of us have a slightly different perception of the value of some of those signings, but he's entitled to his opinion um and I think. You know, Aside from that, probably the only other talking point was the George Hurst situation where he just simply confirmed that the offer is still on the table for, uh, for Young Hurst should he wish to accept it, but that the, uh, the negotiations uh, are no further forward than they have been previously.
0: Well, that's okay because we have the Bulgarian George Hurst in the under 18s. Throwing hat tricks. Very excited. Scored a hat trick uh, this morning this afternoon. Sometime. Can you say his name, Jeff? <laughs> it's like uh, Pras- Preslav Borukov. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah,
1: He's actually built up quite a little bit. He? He's a bit chunkier than John I, like, I, like, I like his frame. He's got a good young lad's frame. He's quite bulky for an 18-year-old. So I think he could be a good player. Paddy, could could you qualify that state? When you say he's got a good young lad's
2: frame, in you know, <laughs> context...
1: Well, but we look at George Hurst like a streak of piss, isn't he? I mean, the Bulgarian George Hurst is much more of a um, Bulgarian, I suppose. Patty chunky. also
0: knows Chunky, I believe him. <laughs> Speaking of Chunky, our own Chunky striker up front, Eddie Newhew, got another call-up for some Kosevin friendlies. And that's what we we'll are covering next week's uh, podcast because there's nothing <laughs> else to talk about. The in-depth analysis of Kosovo's friendlies. I don't know who they're playing, so I'll probably have to find that out before we do the in-depth analysis. <laughs> Useful information. And we'll wrap things up with an injury report from one Patty Jones. Uh, we're all
1: doomed. <laughs> I, I don't know why I've been given this thing. I've, I did not have time to prepare for this one. But um, we've got, what, we've got Bannon coming back. We've got Lisa's back already. Um...
0: Van Aken's closing its out in the 23s probably.
3: at some point soon. Yeah. Um, is is there a good person to follow on Twitter for like reporting on the U23s? Because I feel like... Uh, I, I, at Wednesday Youth. At Wednesday Youth, yeah.
1: I, is it, is I, Kivo as well. Kivo Lee or something like that? Alright. I'll
3: remember. have to find them. i I, I got to step up my Twitter game. This is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Wednesday Youth is the best one. All the breaking, Preslav Borukov action that you need to know about, Luke.
3: <laughs> well, you know me.
0: I mean, at this point, I might as well just get... I saw they had a 20 uh, to 50% off on the away shirts now. They should be giving away for free. It's terrible. If they're I can get Borukov 9 on the back, would probably be better than actually getting a uh, first-team Wednesday player. That could be worth millions in years to come, Jeff. It could be. Borukov number 9.
3: Can, can I get FFP one hundred? <laughs> <laughs> can you actually Probably get wait. three digits on the back of a shirt, Luke? That's a great idea.
0: Oh, I mean, I assume you can. It's it's the it's it's it, they charge by the number, I think. So, well, it's like by the individual, individual number. you can have
1: a minimum spend. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> what would you call Lee? What
2: does Kieran Lee do?
3: I have. A Where Karen is Kieran Lee? On? On Lee?
2: It is, it is a serious question? What what? what's the situation with Kieran Lee? Because, you know, we hear about players coming back from injury. We talk about Bannon being kind of on the verge of playing for the 23s. And actually, you know, we pretty neglectful, actually. We totally forgot to mention the fact that Tom Lee started on Saturday and, and actually had a pretty good game against Bolton. He wasn't, wasn't particularly inspiring, but it was kind of nice to have one of our stalwarts back. Um, but you never hear anything about Kieran Lee anymore. That when means like, what's I'm looking at Wikipedia now, so hang on
1: a minute. <laughs> So Lee is the only man in the world with a penis that is reportedly insured <laughs> for one million
0: dollars. Ah, that's what that he has yeah. been doing. That's why I don't Google search for him at work.
2: <laughs> it's a tricky. It's a tricky subject to uh, to navigate online. I must admit.
1: He doesn't look fitter than Nakia and Lee. To be fair, I think he can do a job. Very athletic.
0: Isn't this? Uh... Better uh, ask to our new Twitter follower, uh, Sexy Swingers, whatever it is. <laughs> it might be him behind me,
1: actually.
3: That, that one surprised me.
0: Alright, we move from Wednesday news to Wednesday preview. It's time for a. I guess it's a derby. I really don't think it's a derby, but. It is a Yorkshire derby. We all hate Leeds, James Allen. Don't
2: we just. I've, uh, I've opened another beer for this one. Uh, I've got a KCBC uh, American stout called Bodega Cat, um, which is far more cool, uh, interesting, tasty, and, uh, and worth spending time with than any discussion of that place 30 miles to the north of Sheffield. So it's actually been some time since we've actually done a preview, isn't it? Because we've kind of been going through a glut of games where we've already trashed or trash-talked the uh, the other terms of the championship make up um, for lost time with this one it turns out that uh, we started the podcast just a little bit after our triumphant uh, three three nil victory at hillsborough earlier in the season God, that seems like a long time ago um gary hooper kieran lee on the pitch etc etc anyway um our travels this weekend do take us away to uh, to a town called lee l asterisk asterisk d s 30 miles to the north of sheffield um some people would tell you it's the capital of yorkshire bollocks it's not uh, that would be york uh i.e. yorkshire um whatever the local media tell you uh, leeds is merely a provincial city that happens to be in yorkshire and i say happens to be in yorkshire because one of the things that distinguishes us as yorkshire people uh, especially those of us who've moved away from god's own county is is the pride in our in our the, the place of our birth and, and our fellow yorkshire people with the notable exception of anybody that comes from goddamn Leeds, because no one really recognises Leeds as part of Yorkshire. It's not. It doesn't really kind of ring true to the values of, of what we hold dear. You know, Yorkshire people are gritty, they're resolute, they're, uh, they're they, they find you know they find fun and, and good times in hard times. They uh, they see the, the the positive side of people, the positive side of life. People in Leeds are, are miserly. They're um, they're a bit showy. They're um, they kind of think more of themselves than other people uh, there's a there's a general edge to them that, that doesn't really kind of sit comfortably with the the good people of yorkshire so there's sort of an aberration a little bit of a stain if you will on the uh, on the on the, the cultural map that is uh, the great county of yorkshire and earlier on jeff you said north yorkshire is actually west yorkshire and and actually we could make a big argument about whether west yorkshire is really yorkshire at all it's it's sort of really kind of pennine hinterland town but it turns out that people on the other side of the Pennines hate them as well so I'm just going to quote briefly from, uh, from a book, a new book, actually, that's come out by uh, the uh, the former Labour spin doctor, Alastair Campbell and celebrity Burnley fan, uh, and the former Burnley uh, striker, Paul Fletcher, in which he said, our fans hate Leeds, I hate Leeds, you hate Leeds, we all hate Leeds, which pretty much sums it up. I mean, what is there to like about the city? Um, they've got the Royal Armouries. Well, I mean, if you like looking at shells of armour, I suppose that's pretty good. They've got the Tetley Wharf, um, but we're... You know, Tetley's isn't really much of a pint these days, is it? Especially when you've got a fine pint of uh, American stout in your hand. Um, they've got some fancy shops. They've got RV Nichols. But let's be honest, Yorkshire isn't about fur coats. It's about wearing your knickers and getting on with life. Um, and that, that kind of sums up Leeds, really. It's all fur coat and no knickers. Doesn't really, uh, <laughs> doesn't, really doesn't really kind of jibe with the rest of us. So I looked up and, and, you know, tried to find a few more positive things about Leeds. And I came across the following blog, which I will... Uh, I'll just read to you briefly. It says, uh, Hair Hills, dirty, overcrowded, spitting, noisy, drugs, rude, unpleasant people. Chapel Town, don't. You will be abused, spat on, slash broken into. Dirty streets, scroungers, drinks, Chapel Town, disgusting place. And if you dare to complain, police accuse you of racism. Uh, The whole city needs flattening. Chavs, mean-looking people everywhere, even in the good areas. Provincial mentality, you can go into town, and often the only people you see are chavs. Everyone you get up and go on, and there's no good jobs. Stuck-up people, spoiled, rich, posh kids. Coppers, there's fighting in the schools, but it's all right if you know how to handle yourself. (laughs) Beggars and slags. (laughs) <laughs> the market, there's piss engine drugs asking for change every ten feet. Big issue sellers selling their mags and then standing together in big groups talking about who has the best crack, etc. Be very careful of leads. In fact, don't even go there. Um it goes on James. for about uh, about forty more bullet points. So like yeah, our blog, James. <laughs> it, it may possibly have been authored by a <laughs> in New York city. The only thing, the
0: thing I know about saying, uh the only thing I know about leads is like that it's, it's the uh home of a completely or the start of a, the origin i should say of a completely drug resistant strain of gonorrhea
2: <laughs> i think that's a perfectly uh, sensible slur to uh, to level up those people jeff and you know that's where it brings us to it's I mean, science james it's science it's, exactly you know follow the petri dish and, and follow the source and you'll find the the original uh, the original host um yeah, I mean, we could talk about the football team for a second. The, the ultimate reason why we all hate Leeds, and it's actually, it's not necessarily because of the city, although all the above things are probably true. Um, it's because their team and their supporters are just generally horrible. Yeah, it goes back to the 70s and the era of Billy, Billy Bremner and uh, you know, kind of uh, just that really kind of dirty, nasty, break your legs sort of uh, attitude that that team had, and it was successful, but. There's running well, and there's running the right way, and then the way that, that Leeds and Johnny Giles and Norman Hunter uh, won games, and it was it was the worst of kind of British 70s football, and and kind of the the mentality of Leeds fans goes with that to this day. I've seen uh, I've seen grown men pushing over disabled people um, in in the stadium at Ellen Road. It's it's an intimidating and nasty place to go to, in my experience, um, and I think a lot of Wednesday fans' experience. So, we've uh, we've just got to do the double and, uh, and not talk about them for another twelve months.
3: I, I kind of feel like I need to go take a shower.
1: I will yeah, say, although a well,
0: we can't argue <laughs> whether or not, sure not it's exactly. a uh, whether or not it's a derby in Yorkshire, but it's certainly a derby in New York City. <laughs> Yeah, they're our um, biggest rivals
1: in New York, um, as far as fan-size groups, I suppose. Um, They've got a great group. Um, And surprisingly, we we have a bit of banter back and forth. It's not ever tumbled over into aggro, even when we beat them 6-0.
0: So, yeah. They ducked out pretty quickly in that game, as I recall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was was a good day out. But uh, we got on pretty well with New York. They're all right. Do we have any other business? Uh, yes, Jeff, we do. Uh, first of all, um, a very important announcement. Um, the Arctic Monkeys are on tour in North America. They are. Hooray! What we do! Uh, hopefully, the New York Isles have got tickets for the Forest Hills show, but they're playing at other venues across <laughs> America too. And we've got an Owls America exclusive. Pre sale code, baby. Thursday, the March 15th. Um, if you are um, online and want tickets, get ahead of join sale and use the pre sale code HOMETEAM. Uh, that's on the forestools.com site and you get ahead of the general sale. How cool is that? Awesome, mate. Eh? I just stole that. Uh, other business other than Market Monkeys is meetups. And we are back to full strength this week, guys and gals. Um, we are in New York. At 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are in New Orleans at 10 a.m. Central Time. We are in Portland at 8 a.m. Portland time. I'm going to say Pacific <laughs> and, Standard uh, Time. <laughs> and then Tampa is back in McDinton Soho uh, at 11 a.m. Two. You can find all the details of those meetups uh, on oursamerica's.com uh, and get in touch with the people organising them all
0: this has been episode 23 of the owls Cast. find us at owlsamericas.com email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find us on twitter at owls americas our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow wednesdayites reverend and the makers the podcast is on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play podbeam and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts there's no wrong way to listen to the show just do what feels right Wherever you choose to consume the Owl's AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show, as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, do you have any fond memories of Ellen Road? Uh, How did I just answer that, Jeff? Um, I have a fond memory of Ellen
2: Road, and that was when Chris Brunt smacked in a screamer from about 45 yards, um, which apparently was the last time that we played there at a like reasonable time of day and not a sort of 11 o'clock in the morning. So um, here's to Saturday. I was there for that too, James. That was one of my favourite moments away from home.
1: Um, and lead up to that, I saw a chair get thrown out of the bar across the road on the main road. You know that one that's like near the stadium. A chair came flying out the window on my way there. But other than
2: that, it was a great day. Hattie seems to just attract flying objects when he goes to the <laughs> way games. If it's not a car, it's a chair. The car wasn't flying. The car was on fire. <laughs> this car is on fire. It sounds like a song.
0: <laughs> Luke is on Twitter, at LukeAH. Luke, would you pair uh, Bradley Wright Phillips up front with Lucas Zhao or Addy Newhue?
3: Um, I would say Bradley and Zhao. I think that would be... I think that would be a pretty good, pretty quick, well, not not like super fast, but, but pretty competent strike force. Definitely.
0: Patty is on Twitter, at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, are you relieved that we don't have a 7:15 kickoff this Saturday for Leeds?
1: Oh, God. I mean, if this is what it takes to get an 11 a.m. kickoff against Leeds, I might... <laughs> Happy to be shit for the time we were actually playing Leeds. I hate those 7.15 kickoffs against Leeds. They're terrible. So I'm hoping for a big turnout. I have that every week now. But um, obviously performances uh, will yeah, help us get big turnouts rather than time. certainly
0: worth dragging yourself out to New York at any time of day to watch the Wednesday right now. Of course. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week.